This podcast is brought to you by 3B, the mental wellbeing company, hosted by Claire and Sue, co-founders of 3B. When you've got your wellbeing mojo on, you're firing on all cylinders. You're accepting of whatever comes your way. You're being resilient. We believe that one size does not fit all, and we want you to discover your own wellbeing mojo. So join us on our podcast journey where we'll be exploring the many different aspects of mental well-being. And hopefully, you can learn what you need to get your well-being mojo on. This week's podcast features an extract from our weekly radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. let's talk well-being so we have got Jules in the studio and um, we're going to be chatting with her um, thank you for joining us for our discussion earlier but welcome back Jules thank you pleasure to be here <laughs> pleasure to have you on um, we love all our guests don't we Claire they're brilliant just, honestly I think hearing people's stories and the work that people are doing and yeah it's just it's really really inspiring so, yeah, we're really excited to chat with you today. Um, now, you describe your ethos as to give people the skills and the commitment to look after their mental well-being the same way that they look after their physical well-being. And the platform that you're, the project that you're working on is called Serenity, which we just love the name. Don't be glad. Yeah, when we started, you were still on your journey. We started and Sue was saying, she's, she said the word and I just, my shoulders relaxed. I was just like, oh, it's a fabulous word. Oh. And Sue thought it was brilliant I as well. Do, we yeah. love what you've picked. I think it's just such a great, I think I use the word hook. It's like, it's a hook. You know, it's kind of like immediately I hear the word serenity and I, I just want to know more. Now, this platform, this project that you're working on is all about helping people gain and maintain their own mental well-being through self-empowerment which I really like, through self-care, mindfulness, and the use of other practical strategies, you're supporting people of all ages to prevent mental health issues, which, again, something we're really passionate about at 3B. Mm. And you're all about supporting people when they're experiencing them and assisting them to maintain that good mental well-being. So welcome back, Jules. This platform, this project you're working on just sounds so brilliant, and we want to know all about that. Um, but I wonder, would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself first and, and telling us kind of how you arrived at this idea of serenity? Tell us about you. Yeah, um, a few years ago, um, as you know, you, you might know, um, I actually had a mental breakdown um, and it was quite severe. <clears throat> I ended up with a friend of mine that took me to A&E. Um, because I was experiencing all sorts of things from I didn't want to get up, you know, um, I didn't know how to function. I was at, at the point where I was fine at the door and I used to leave the door and I was, you know, a registered children's home manager and I was fine uh, at work. But eventually it started creeping into both environments. So by the time I used to start crying at work, you know, all sorts of things, eventually that spanned to, um, I started cutting. So I used to self-harm. Um, and eventually I started looking at plans um, to end my life 
So my friend actually, you know, was aware of little bits and snippets of what I'd let her see um, over the course of time till eventually I couldn't hold that back and everything merged into one and I was just tearful and, you know, I was opening up about exactly what my thought processes were. Um, So I ended up, like I said, having a a full-blown mental breakdown. Um, I was taken to A&E and they actually said to me that I had a choice. I could either be sectioned or I could go into a residential setting to try and give myself some balance back. Um, I chose the residential setting. I really didn't want to be sectioned um, because you hear all the, you know, the different stories, you know, rightly or wrongly, you know, and I didn't feel like potentially there may be a way back if that was, you know, something that I was, I accepted. So I went into a residential placement. Funnily enough, I ended up with my own care plan, um, which is something that I wrote for other people. Um, And they supported me for a few weeks just to try and step back out of my life, out of my environment, to see the wood for the trees, if you like, to a certain degree and get me on some sort of treatment path before I was, you know, um, I don't often like saying released back into the community, but, you know, um, before I went back to live at home. Um, and funnily enough, the actual centre that I went to was right round the corner from where I used to work, literally within walking distance. So that was a bit of an added pressure in some respects. Mm. Um, but that really was just the start of a journey uh, for me. So when I actually went back home, I started, you know, um, the obviously medication, you know, things that they put in place for you to try and up your mood and, you know, works with the crisis team and things like that. But to me, it wasn't... <laughs> It was a small part of recovery in the sense whereas it kind of put me a, a slight balance that I could function, but it wasn't enough because some of the systems and services that were out there weren't effective. You know, um, I had different people come and visiting me regularly from the crisis teams and things, you know, that were, and they do the best, don't get me wrong, you know, it's, you know, they're, they're working with what they've got, but that wasn't effective for me because I felt like I had to repeat that story over and over and over again. It was almost adding to the issues that I had. So once I'd kind of got myself on a bit of an equilibrium with the uh, medication slightly, um, I decided, you know, I had a bit of thought process and I thought I've got to take control of something somewhere. Um, And I started looking after myself. Um, It started very small with, I just used to walk the dog, you know, up and down the backfield. And I found that really enlightening. Um, I also, one of my friends actually decided to drag me along, kicking and screaming, to a meditation and mindfulness group. Um, and believe me, back in the days, that wasn't a journey that I would have taken. Yeah. Um, but I felt, at first, I, like I said, I just sat there and I thought, you know, what are you going to tell me that's any different? You can't stop the thoughts. But it was really the start of something that was massive for me and where I reached with serenity because it gave me that empowerment back. So just by looking at that moment in time rather than looking to the future or the past or everybody else around me and how I was affecting them, it was about me and that moment in time. Um, and it taught me some skills to empower myself to step by step get me back on that journey to recovery so like I said that started very small with you know going to these classes meditating and things um, walking the dog but actually really taking account of what my surroundings were and feeling at peace when I was out there and nothing else to think about Um, and even down to my food intake and things I started you know making sure that I was enjoying you know what I was doing and paying attention to what I was cooking and what I was eating and things like that and it I just did it stage by stage, very, very, very small steps. Um, and it's not something that you get over, if you like, in, in some terms, because I've still, you know, had episodes where I've relapsed um, over the years. But 
I've now learnt over time the strategies that, and it, like I said, it's a very, it's a learning process all the time, I think, from the minute you're born till the day that you die. And I think I'm always learning of strategies and ways that I can recognise and pull myself back to where I need to be, like you talked about the healthy boundaries. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, you know, it might be a case of I recognise that when I have situations around I've not been eating healthily, I've been working too much, I'm too busy, I've not been taking care of myself, so that's my trigger point that I know straight away because I've not had a healthy meal, um, that I'm doing too much and I need to pull myself back to my boundaries. So that really led me to um, creating SOM, which is Serenity of Mind Experience, which is, um, it's an acronym of my granddaughter's names. So um, where there's been some kind of trauma, I've got two you know, granddaughters, unfortunately, that were adopted. Um, and our, one lives with me uh, and another one lives um, with her parents but I wanted to build something as well that would teach them in time that you know mental health is massively important and I do I even now I still do things with my granddaughter around those sorts of things as well yeah. so she knows all about yoga she knows all about meditation it's a shame and she's only nearly six and <laughs> she knows all those things but I think it's so important that she starts at that age to yeah. say just be you know, you don't have to worry about reading that book for school. You don't have to worry about that right now. Just be, you know, just sit there and be. Um, and that's really the basis of Serenity is that it's um, hopefully empowering people to say it's okay to have that self-care and providing those platforms for it. So it's just about coming into the centre and just sitting and being if that's what you want to do. You know, it's about sitting there and having a cry if that's what you want to do. Because one of the things that were most pinnacle to me when I was recovering, um, and I don't think I even realised it until afterwards, was my dad um, actually outlived my mum. Unfortunately, well, that's not unfortunately, that's the wrong terminology, but, you know, sadly. In some respects, I lost my mum earlier. But my dad um, used to, he was quite pinnacle to my recovery. And I used to go around to his house and I used to just sit. Um, and sometimes I would just sit there and cry, you know, during my recovery. And I don't think I realised until he passed how important that was for me. That I could just, and that's where I really felt the effect of just being, you know, during my recovery. And I think that was, that is so important when... You just do want to just cry or you want to scream or you want to be angry or you just want to chat to somebody. It's really nice to have that safe space. And I think a lot of the time, your mental health in for a lot of people is, is intrinsically linked to where you live as well, sometimes in your own home. So the problems start there. So it's really nice to be able to go somewhere that you feel comfortable and safe that takes you out of that mm. space yeah. as well. And that, for me, was, was that. And I think that's part of the reason as well I really kind of started to get my teeth into creating Serenity because I thought, nobody has this. And I've spoke to so many people that don't look after the mental health, that don't um, don't practice mindful practice don't practice meditation and you know and things like that and overall self-care for themselves and I think it's so intrinsic you know I wish I could scream at everybody and say do it because you could end up like me you know like I was in that position and I don't want people to end up in that position I want them to get there before and say you know this is what we're going to do to make sure that we maintain our mental health wow (laughs) Jules powerful (laughs) yeah Sorry, I'm going to go. <laughs> um, thank you so much for sharing. That was, yeah, such a powerful account of um, what I'm imagining is, you know, kind of just the surface of, of, of your story to a certain extent, but you've already shared so much there. And I wonder how many, for how many people there's, there's something that they can relate to mm. on lots and lots of different levels. Do you think so, Claire? Uh, totally, and I think, I mean, that's the whole point of why 
why me and Sue are doing this as well. We want we want people to realise that they're not on their own, that other people are going through this. Not as in, right, so do this instead, but they'll find things. They can try things out. They know they're not on their own. And it's a, what you're talking about is a big thing. I have a group that I do group supervision with, and I, I always start, anybody new comes onto that, I always start with, this is a safe space. You can scream, cry, rant, laugh. It does not matter you know, this is a place for you to do whatever you need to because I'm big on, have a rant, get it out. The amount of times I've ranted with you, isn't it, Sue? Because I'm upset about something and I just, because I know Sue won't sit in judgment. So that I have a safe space with Sue there. I can just let everything out. Or, like you say, scream. And I know people who, were, who I'm sure we had a guest who says every day she goes and screams because it gets it all out. We did. Was we it, did. We did. I want to say it was Suzanne, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. If you're listening, Su- let us know who yeah. it was, because <laughs> we would love that, and I'm really sorry. We can't remember who it is. But they scream, and it, I, I think it's it's like that, because actually you feel like it. So I'm a big believer in, like, kids will scream, and we lose part of that as we grow up. I love what you're doing with your granddaughter. I think the fact that she is already learning meditation, to just sit and have that pause moment, I think it is amazing, and the that can only support her um, as she grows. It can only because she will have that in her. It'll be part and parcel. She'll have it in her muscle, as I call it. It'll be a part of her every day. And I think you're right. That's what more kids need. More of our the youth of today need that because they're living in tough times. Yes. We all are. And I think it's about what what it sounds to me what you're doing there, you know, what you want to offer for people and obviously what you're doing there um, with your granddaughter is like it's it's going to be ingrained in her. So it's not like, oh, we're going to do this extra thing now that we kind of top on top of everything else, you know, or it's like we're going to do it like a lesson like they would do in a school setting. It's just part of how you live. So you're living and breathing it. It's got a, a an authenticity to it, an honesty. Um, and I think from there, you're right, it's kind of equipping her mm. with with the skills, with the knowledge, with that understanding. She probably won't even realise that it, it's this special thing because it's just part of everyday life. It'll be part of her core beliefs, I hope, you know, mm. when, when she grows up and hopefully that'll be what the way that she... Um, carries that on to her children because I think it's such a, it's such a taboo subject as well you know mm. that when people are struggling mm. um, and I remember one of the most you know the most pinnacle things when I when I went returned to work after I had the period off um, and I was really open you know I've always been like that you know this is what I was doing you know I've even got tattoos to cover you know um, where I used to obviously cotton things but I always tell people this is why I've got this it's a really important symbol for me because it makes me recognise what I was like previously um, and I used to put the uh, calendar entry in when I was going to counselling or I was doing something um, into my calendar at work and I remember the, one of the bosses saying to me why do you do that why, why you know that's private for you and I said because if it helps somebody else to realise that somebody that's in a senior management position can go through the same things that I've gone through then all better to it because I've helped somebody then I have nothing to be ashamed of you know at the end of the day yeah. people have struggles you know and I think it's really really important that we get out there and talk about them. Mm. I love that actually thinking about the workplace because Claire and I've done a lot of work in businesses and there's a lot of 
talk, there's a lot of rhetoric, you know, about well-being and about sharing and about creating spaces. And, you know, and we, obviously we have all these amazing campaigns now, you know, and it, it's it, that kind of um, highlight the importance of doing it. But I do still feel as though we're in that place where it's kind of maybe reduced to the campaign day or like for example is world well-being week this week mm. you know and we need those things we need those campaigns to keep kind of driving these messages home um but it sounds to me that what you're doing there is you're walking the walk mm. you know you're not just kind of paying lip service to it you're setting an example and like you say you're probably inspiring somebody else to feel also feel comfortable and i think you know one of the things that claire and i try and, and do within within organizations is break down those barriers so that people aren't in fear of being judged you know and, and so they aren't in fear of well I can't tell my line manager that I'm going through this because you know this will affect my job or that they'll all it's like they'll see me differently um, whereas actually because one of the campaigns that's out there is um, the, my whole self you know that you bring your whole self to work and that's a kind of a phrase that we we often kind of use in our training but it's it's like how do we move from talking about it and all sitting there in a meeting nodding going oh yeah this is really important yes well-being you know to actually making that happen and it's about the example that you gave there it's about people like yourself as you say in a senior management position being prepared to share something of themselves with others um, and not everybody will be comfortable with that but that's kind of what we need to do yeah, not everybody's going to get it. And I think it's a shame because there's a lot of organisations out there who are really good. There's also a lot of organisations out there who are being run by people who, who really don't have a clue. I used to work at a place where, you know, you'd go to the boss and you'd say, I'm really struggling with the amount of work I've got. And he thought it was all right to then add more. Cause that, and that's what he would say. He'd actually really say that and think that was brilliant. Anybody who comes to me and says they're struggling with where what I do, I make sure they go out with at least three other things to do. And it's like, like, what is that doing? What is that having an impact on? And you just think, I, I can't believe there's still people out there like that. But unfortunately, there are. Mm. And But this is like what we were talking about before with the healthy boundaries and stuff like if that is a place that is going to cause you that kind of stress, you need to leave because he isn't going to change. Mm. He isn't going to change. He's still going to be the same. And what's your mental well-being? And no, no business, no relationship, no other person out there is worth you going through mental health issues for. Nobody. I'm really, really adamant about that. So the fact that, you know, you have got some really good places who really do talk about that and, and share that and are honest about that. And we've had, we've worked with a couple of businesses. We have. We have. They're not walking the walk. They're, they're trying. Mm. You know, they don't always get it right, but they're learning from that. Yeah. And that's the big key, isn't it? Nobody's going to get it right straight away. They're learning from that. That's brilliant. But I've still heard people go, I won't get a promotion if I tell them. So that stigma is really still there. So, you know, what you're talking about there, about sharing that on your calendar, or the fact that somebody high up had to ha ask that just shows that they don't get it anyway. But you really do. And I think that is true. Anybody who you were supporting, for, if, you were, if you'd have been my manager, I'd have been like, I can tell this person because they're really being open and honest about it. Just, I find it, 
you know, in America, people are always talking about they have a counsellor, they have a, you know, a coach or a counsellor. It's part and parcel in certain parts of America. And it's just normal. And it's just an every because they've got that dedicated time to talk. They've got that dedicated space, just like you were saying, somewhere where, you know, you can come and be yourself. You can just come and take that pause. You can come and rant or scream. And they do that. And yet over here, oh, you see the counsellor. Wow, what's up with you? Yeah, it's true. It's true. It is. That, yeah. That's the kind of thing. Even, even now, people think there must be something up with you yeah. if you're seeing a counsellor. Not, it's just dedicated time for me. And actually, yeah, sometimes I might not be all right. And other times I might be fine, yeah. but I'm still seeing somebody. I think that's that's a really good point, Claire. I think, I, you know, I've, I've heard people sort of come back with, like, do you really need that? You know, like it's sort of like uh, as though they Im- imagine that you need to be at crisis point, yeah, in order to kind of access that kind of support. And I think it's that mentality, isn't it, of not really understanding that you know all the things that you're talking about with your project there, uh, Jules. You know, it's kind of a, it's that preventative thing. And like we, we advocate with three B, let's get in there at the start. Let's go and have a chat when we're feeling okay. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we have this concept within our emotional wealth a program called the Bank of Self. So where we're always making deposits into our bank so that we can keep building that up. And the idea is to practice those things, to practice the mindfulness, the meditation, when we are feeling okay, because then it'll be more in our muscles, Claire says, and then we'll be more used to it. And then we'll be able to draw on it more, you know, when, when, it, when it really, really does go down for us. So, and I think it's that, I don't think we're quite there yet, are we, in kind of with that level of understanding? I think we're kind of, we're getting better in terms of the words, the terminology being used more. But I don't think we've kind of gone there yet in, in a general sense across society with what do we mean by that? What does that look like for me? What, what do you think about that, Jules? I think it's because, you know, there's a lot there's a lot in society that's, that's wrong, you know, in, in the way that we view things and a lot that has changed. And I think we're never going to be in a position where we can change anything overnight. I think it's just going to be person by person, yeah. you know, and as long as, you know, one person in a family changes, that emanates to hopefully to more members of that family and it starts, you know, in those ways. I mean, one of the things that I was going to do, well, I'm thinking of doing later on in the year, is uh, having a fundraising. Um, where it's literally just purchasing T-shirts that state I have had mental health issues. You know, whether or not, you know, loads of people will get on board, I hope they will. But I think it's just my way of saying, I've got mental health issues. You know, have you got mental health issues? Great. You know, we have them. It's, you know, it's a perfectly normal um, trail of of what happens in your lifetime. You know, we all go through it in some way, shape or form. It's just that some people's might get to a much more serious level than others, you know, but we all have issues around you know mental health and I think or know somebody who does or you know have been touched by it and I think it's like you said before I think it's really important that we get out there that it's open and until we start doing that I think you know we're never going to be able to move society forward in any ways to prevent it even you know um it's becoming more prevalent and I think it's become more prevalent because of the pandemic and because we were mm. all stuck inside in our own heads for so long that they've seen such a massive increase around, you know, referrals and things to, you know, to the NHS, to CAMS, to adult mental health teams that, you know, there's more and more little bits that are propping up. But I think that I just I'm just worried that if we don't do something now as a preventative and a you know um, a diagnostic that we're going to find ourselves taking a route all the way back to where we were in a couple of years time because everybody will have forgotten what they felt like in the pandemic 
but the figures keep rising. You know, I look in, I like I said, one of my you know daytime jobs is I go and um, do Reg Forty Four visits and things for different places um, and one of the things that you notice and even from the figures from children's uh, young people's magazine that the amount of figures that children that are being referred and out to children you know mental health services is massive and the, the waiting times you're talking two and a half years yeah. mm. which is ridiculous you know in essence and it's like i said it's not their fault it's a funding issue but in the same token if we'd have got in there sooner and we've got a choice to now with the generations that are coming through now you know, we might have been able to prevent some of those things and teach young people how to support better well-being. And even, you know, like we said, when we get to adulthood, is that through different projects, including me own, and I'm sure, you know, some other fantastic ones out there, it's giving people that that uh, empowerment to be able to take some control or, like you said, some have somewhere where they can just be and say, it's okay to look after yourself. And, you know, and this is the place to do it, you know, whether that's through mindfulness, meditation or whether it's through healthy eating, you know, they all play a part. You know, it's a delicate balance between your mind and your body. And I think that the, the moment we give somebody the, the empowerment and the right to do that and look at themselves and stop rather than keep running the, the rat race that we all run every single day, then we've got the ability to do that. And, it, you know, it can pay dividends in your life moving forward and your families and future generations. Wow. Can I just say I'm voting for Jules? <laughs> you know, kind of. Yeah, she be a councillor, president. Yeah, I just I want I want something of what you're you're offering. You know, I think oh, you speak the truth. Is what you do. You speak the truth. It's kind of like you're cutting through all the stuff and just going. No, this is how it is. You know, and I think what we try and do is put a bit of a shine on things, don't we? And we try and kind of get through. But actually, what you've done there is, for me, is just kind of highlight so much of, of 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 what is wrong you know but like you said there are projects out there there are people out there i loved what something you said earlier about you know doing something in your own small way you know for yourself and for the immediate people around you and i think that's we all have to take that responsibility don't we kind of individually and collectively and i think taking care of ourselves enables us to kind of show up better for others and show up, you know, it enables us to educate people within our communities, doesn't it? And actually we can be a living, breathing example of, it's not about going, oh, you know, do what I've done, this is how you do it. It's about being a living, breathing example of, this is what a human being looks like that's struggling some days mm. and doing really great other days and everything else in between, you know. But I think kind of the expectation is that, I mean, I've often talked about this on the show that, like, you know, we reach a certain point and it's kind of like, we're supposed to have it all figured out. We're supposed to know and everything's supposed to be perfect. And I think what the pandemic showed us is that, you know, there's no certainty. But I do think where we are now post-pandemic is that I think people just want to forget about it, don't they? And they want to go back to whatever normal sort of looks like for them. And that might be bypassing addressing some of the things that they've experienced because it's too uncomfortable or it's too difficult or they simply don't I don't have the time to do that because I'm supporting my family or I've got to put food on the table yeah we're kind of in a really weird we're in a weird space I think because on the one hand there's a lot of exposure you know information understanding but as you quite rightly point out there's this even bigger need and somewhere the two things are not kind of marrying up I think, like, what brilliant what you've just said, completely agree. I think what you were saying, Jules, I think, but what it 
said to me was, you know, that it has to change and incrementally it will and we'll start that. I think nothing of like going and getting my hair done. I know people who very often they'll get their nails done regularly or they might go for like a pamper or something like that. You know, they'll pay out gym membership and yet, you know, people don't think about paying for going and doing mindfulness or, you know, going and sourcing, you know, somebody, a coach to just talk to or that space that you're on about, you know, and having that and paying for that instead, paying for somewhere to go and do mindfulness and work on their mind. It's not something we're used to doing. And I think we always think, well, that means there's something the matter with me. Mm. And I think we've got to get past that because I actually think that's what we should be doing. That's what we should be spending our money on, you know. And I know it's really difficult because, we've got you know hike hike of uh, prices with our energy bills and petrol and everything else so that very often goes by the by but you're very right in saying like our mind and body that's what's carrying us around that's what's getting us through everything that's what's helping us to work to live to communicate yet we, we don't prioritize that and i think that's really key and i think what you're doing with your granddaughter that's getting her to prioritise that as a natural thing anyway. So I think you're really instilling that. And it sounds like you are. And yet I still hear people go, and exactly like you did. Well, how's meditation going to help me? But yet you went and you tried it and it did. And it had a profound effect on you. Because we know, you know, neuroscience has really shown us that it makes changes in our brains. So this isn't yeah. navel-gazing. This isn't not, you know, hippie stuff. This is actually scientific proof that it supports us to reduce the stress indicators and helps us to be better at learning and problem solving. It opens our minds up to that. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like you said, I think, is that we're a bit backward sometimes in society that, you know, we still... Don't get me wrong, like I said, things have moved slightly, but you still hear the, the comments of, you know, even when I turn around and say, yeah, I do mindfulness or meditation. <gasps> I think somebody rolling their eyes or, you know, like it's like you said, from a hippie era. Yeah. or And, you know, and I'm like, have you ever tried it? No, well, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with my son when he struggled, you know. Have you ever tried it? No, what am I going to do? Sit there, you know, looking into space. And I said, it's not about that, you know. You Try something before you... And that's what I'd say to anybody. You know, before you poo-poo it, so to speak, try it. Mm. I mean, my overall vision for, for Serenity is that you know, in the next five years that people actually put as much importance on the mental well-being as they do on the physical. Mm. You know, we think nothing of, like you said, paying gym memberships uh, at £25 a month and never stepping through the door. But nobody thinks about investing that money in your mind, Mm. which is probably, in some respects, more important, if not, you know, on a par, than your physical well-being. Mm. You know, and they complement each other. So if you don't have one, you don't have the other anyway. So it's... You know, I think we have to do that as well, because like what you were saying, I mean, the NHS are brilliant. You know, they they work really hard, you know, um, as a collective. I'm, and I'm lumping everything together there, but we're we're really lucky in this country to have them, I think. Yeah. But unfortunately, they do not have the capacity to deal with the hike that's gone on since the pandemic in mental health issues. You know, I, we see that an awful lot with, you know, um, people who have eating disorders uh, that's linked to their mental health as well so I actually think that you know councils out there should put money into 
the kind of thing that you're doing, you know, the kind of stuff that we do, because there are other people out there who are really dedicated to doing this, can really support people, and they could do it either at a really reduced cost or free if they put the money into that, which then frees up the NHS to do the other stuff that they need to do. Because rather than wait, what's the point waiting two and a half years? I know when I had my breakdown, it was like six months before you go on. Even if you tick, you're suicidal. Well, you know, how many people are going to be dead before they even see somebody on the NHS? And that's not their fault. It's just how the system works. But this, this enables you, if you can, you know, for people to put money into to go because it's such a big area that is really affecting everybody. I don't know one person that hasn't been able to turn around and go on. You know, they may go, well, I've never come across it, but like I've got children do or my partner does or somebody in work does or they know somebody. It is like that, isn't it? It's one of those now. It's so affected so many people. And I think the kind of thing that you're doing and having that space... I want to go to that space. I, I want to be in that space. <laughs> because I think one, one thing that I learned as well from your recovery is that, you know, there is a place for clinical, you know, nobody's taking that away from when, yeah. you know, somebody really, really struggles with mental health crisis. But equally, I mean, I remember doing, um, I ended up doing, I think, two to three courses of CBT. Uh, and I remember speaking to the, the uh, psychologist who was doing it. Um, and I said to her, it was actually more meaningful the second time around I did it because I learnt from what I couldn't do, all the strategies, because when I first did it, I was so in the middle of the crisis that I couldn't function to build the strategies anyway. Mm. So it was almost like a re-rehearsal when I did it the second time, so it was much better. But then you're left out in the cold to do that by yourself. And I think when you're struggling as much as potentially I was or anybody else, mm. it can be really difficult to, to motivate yourself to do those things as well. So I think that it's got to be a delicate balance between the clinical side and the self-care and empowerment side and I think that like you said quite rightly with waiting times being so long even if the, they were able to refer to services that could support as an injury measure where people could just come and you know relax and meditate and you know who knows they might end up not requiring mm. in some cases I'm not saying all no, but not well. requiring the clinical you know medication type outlet if you know they supported it that way mm. but that's my vision for the future, is that mental health is supported as much as physical health. We love your vision. Yeah. <laughs> We're definitely on board with it. I think, yeah, there's such a lot here that is kind of reliant on big decision makers, but then there's also the, you know, what we can do for ourselves. What do you do, Jules, nowadays to kind of take care of your mental well-being sort of on a, on a day-to-day basis? Oh, I have all sorts of strange little quirks that I do. Um... I recognise in my own environment when I get to a point of tidiness and it tips over. I, that's my healthy boundary because I know from the place that I got to is that my environment is really important to me. So it's got to be organised to my, to me, okay. not to any necessarily to anybody else, but it's got to be at my level. Otherwise, it kind of it sends me um, a bit more deep into negative thinking, if you like, because mm-hmm. I think my environment for me kind of signifies my head and backwards. Mm. So it does it if it's confusing or busy or too too much around. Ah, so it's like a reflection yeah, of it comes ah, back I into see. my mind. Okay. Um, 
I do use the meditation uh, regularly. And what sort of meditation, can I ask, what sort of meditation do you do? Do you use a guided meditation or do you just... I tend to use guided, you yeah. Do. I'm not yeah. very good, you know, at kind of, especially because I'm quite a busy-minded person. Yeah. So it helps me to focus on something other than, you know, just me breathing or anything else. So it helps me in that sense. So I always use guided. Um, I've got loads of YouTube apps and Calm apps and things like that that I utilise uh, regularly. Excellent. Um, I use the mindfulness so when I you know when I go out for a walk or something I try and you know make sure even when my granddaughter we walk our dog and things and you know we're looking at things that are around us rather than actually thinking what I'm going to have for dinner and what's going on next week and what happened last week you know and all that sort of thing so I do try and bring myself back you know when I'm you know having those moments and I think one of the probably one of the most powerful things for me which is a bit you know uh, my son laughed at me the other week I said I will often go driving, you know, cause I, I drive to some quite remote locations, so it might be two hours, three hours driving a car, um, and it's quite a long journey, so I find the thought processes come, you know, time and time again, and the negativity tends to set in because you've got that much time to think about subjects. Mm. So I now give myself trigger words, so I have... Ooh. I give myself a talking to <laughs> mentally. So I rec- I've got the ability now to be able to recognise when I'm slipping into that <gasps> negative mode, and what I've chosen are words that, for me make me smile instantly so it kind of snaps me away from the the thought processes that i'm having okay. and it's my way of saying enough is enough <laughs> so like i have like um tulip butterfly <laughs> things like that that i will if anybody <gasps> saw me in the car one day you know and i'll just i'm just sat there randomly shouting butterfly <laughs> <laughs> but it's because butterfly <laughs> But it's because my thoughts have slipped and I recognise that they're going negative so it snaps me back out because it's love something it. I can visualise and I can see and it makes me smile because um, I love tulips and I love yeah. butterflies and things so I do that. That's one of my, yeah, one of my ways. I, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I'm lost for words because I'm just so excited by this idea because it's so simple yeah. and it's free. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've said about the songs. We, we in one of our sessions that we do with businesses, the, um, we do a day in the life and we try to give them different things that they could do to snap them out of maybe a really bad headspace and it's lots of different things but one of them is like in travelling you can put music on oh, yeah. because that really helps me and then like we'll pick a song and it's partly what we do on the show as well that if there's a song that like really ignites you that can like really get you out of a funk or in that mood but that I'm really loving that I'm lo- I can see you driving just going tulip tulip <laughs> Butterfly. That's <laughs> just like. Do you know what I love it. have? Um, one of the things I've, I've, I'm putting together for to go into Serenity is um, a happy box. What we say. Mm. So it's a way of you know, and I, it's worked for me in the past, and this is where partly where I got my trigger uh, word from, is that I, put, I started to put together things that you know from every sense, you know, your, from your hearing to your smell and everything um, that yeah. made me yeah. smile. Um, that had the ability, like you said, to be able to snap me out of things. So there might be a particular smell that I think that's fantastic and I love that. So uh, that's in my box. Um, there'll be, like you said, a tune. Um, there'll be my trigger words. There'll be a little passage from something. But just a little collection of things that I think yeah. is useful that you can just dip into and say that makes you smile for that moment. Whether it's a written down memory or a photograph of your grandchild or something that really just... Something that kind of shifts your mindset completely. And I think that's really important when you find yourself slipping if you've got any negativity um so yeah i have yeah, a little happiness box. Box. happy box happy box happy i box like that but happy box <laughs> i love the simplicity of these things because they feel very accessible mm-hmm. 
you know that's it's sort of like we don't have to learn anything you know we can just that's something anybody can do for themselves isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. and it really does work you know i mean like i said if anybody see me coming out more to it really does work because you know i will often shout tulip <laughs> <laughs> trigger words okay you heard it here first folks i love that yeah okay so challenge for us claire Mm-hmm. is to come up with our positive trigger words. See, tulip would work for me because they're my favourite flowers tulip. of all. Yeah. I absolutely adore tulips. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, tulip would really work for me because it would help me to think of my favourite flower. Yeah, yeah, but there's definitely some other things that I could definitely say. It's making me think about, you know, because you used the word, you know, in your description of what you do, it's about empowering people, and that feels very empowering because mm. it's mine and I can own it and I'm in charge of it. And I decide when I want to use it. And and I love that. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. It's out of somebody else. <laughs> but it is, it's really important, like you said, and I think that's that's the biggest thing I learned on the journey is that, that you know, there were little, even though, even though it was the tiniest step that it started with, there were things that I could put in place because I thought, with all the best will in the world, I can, you know, the residential was great, the clinical help was great, but I needed to do something to change the way that I thought moving forward mm. and, you know, to teach me that it wasn't about the past, it wasn't about the future, it's about the here and now. Mm. Um, and I needed something and a lot of strategies around me to be able to recognise when I was slipping out of that mode and to bring me back to look at myself. And yeah. that was one of the strategies that just really helped me. Wow. It's amazing. Your journey is amazing. And I think... You know, it's obviously there's there's more to come in terms of, you know, the project and where that's taking you. I'm very excited to sort of watch your space. So much about what you were talking about seems to really fit with our three Bs, Claire. Mm. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. You know, our our be, believe and breathe, you know. So it's kind of like you mentioned the word be quite a lot. You know, it's somewhere for people to just come and be. This sort of idea of not judging and for people to be okay with themselves. Um, and you also talk about, you know, the, the breathing, obviously, and having space and building things into that every day. And that's part of our breathe philosophy is all about finding that time, making that time, making it a priority, not an extra, an extra kind of add on or a nice to do. It's an essential. But then we've also got the believe, you know, so believe for us is about, um, you know, believing in yourself, believing in your abilities knowing when your beliefs are holding you back and, and kind of being able to do something about that to make that mind shift. I suppose I'm going to ask you, Jules, what, what, how do you think the three Bs sort of fit with, with serenity? Do you see a relationship there? Yeah, definitely. Like you said, I think it just speaks for itself, really, in that, you know, you've, you've got to be comfortable in your own skin uh, and be able to have, as, you know, people often say is not the right way, but have those conversations with yourself it's really okay to say, you know, to sit there and question what is going through your mind, you know, and I think there's an infinite relationship between your your mental health and your thought processes and people often think that your thought processes are non-controllable, but they are, you know, we, and they have a massive impact on the way you feel and back again. Yeah. So I think it's really important that you do just, you know, you think of the moment, not the past, not the future, because there's nothing ever been accomplished by worrying about things that have gone past or that are going to happen or that you think are going to happen, which is where I struggled most of the time. So I think by just accepting yourself 
and accepting those conversations to have with yourself on what those outcomes might be are really important. And but as a starting process, you've got to believe in yourself. You've yeah. got to have that that ability to think, feel from your gut, feel from your instincts. You know, and the minute you start trusting your instincts more, I think, and we all have them. It's just that I think a lot of the time we ignore them. We do. I, I would, yeah. Even I, I when we're coming to the edge, you know, it's, yeah, we do. We ignore them in favour of, you know, making sure your children are happy or making sure that you're still going into work or, you know, and you ignore those good instincts. And I think the minute that you start believing in yourself and believing in your instincts and trusting those and having those conversations, that, yeah, it definitely links to um, the three Bs. Very well put. Jules, would you tell us about your song that you've chosen? Because this is just such a great choice. (laughs) Um, it's Bob Marley, um, and it's the redemption song. And the reason that I chose that is because it's something that uh, means a lot to me. Um, like I said earlier on, is that my dad was really instrumental um, in supporting me when I was coming through my mental health crisis. I grew up, you know, constantly listening to Bob Marley because my dad was from Barbados, so we had to have it on every journey as children. <laughs> so I've always remembered every single song by words. Uh, and I recently went seeing the Bob Marley show as well in London. That was very good. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> um, and its particular phrase within it is um, emancipate, "Emancipate yourself from mental slavery, because none but ourselves can free our minds." And it's that to me kind of is everything that I'm working towards. Um, and I think it is so true and that's why I always talk about empowerment that you know at the end of the day none but ourselves can free our minds to a certain degree so no matter what you put in if you don't look after yourself and tip up that bank like you said and, and fill that up then nothing else is going to be okay uh, so it really really yeah like I said it resonates a lot with me wow emancipate yourself from mental slavery oh such a powerful powerful song I love it. It's one of those that I have on the car. Yeah. Uh, every now and then when I'm not shouting. When tulip, you're not shouting. Butterfly. Shouting. <laughs> 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 if love you it. see a woman <laughs> driving past you and it looks like she's shouting tulip or butterfly, that's Julie. <laughs> <laughs> and she's awesome. But I do like challenging, you know, the, the thought processes that people have and stereotypes, you know. I've been a senior manager all the time, aren't I? but I still walk around in jeans and things like that. And people look at me when I tell them what I do for a job as if to say... You can't possibly do that. I love doing that. No, mm. I don't like the expected. I've never liked the expected. <laughs> yeah, let's 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 break some barriers down totally. it, and challenge the norms. I think we need a lot more of that out in the world. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, Jules, I just want to carry on talking to you. It's just been such a fantastic afternoon, sort of spending a bit of time with you and hearing about your story and where it's taking you, and just all the fantastic kind of tips and tools and techniques and it all comes from that a really genuine authentic place and I think yeah meeting you's had a real effect on me this afternoon so thank you for that thank you um tell us about how people can get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your project serenity and kind of where that's heading how can people find you on social media I am actually on Facebook. Um, I have a group called Serenity. Okay. Um, so if people want to message me through that, they can feel free. 
because uh, you can set a, send a private message anyway. Um, yeah. You don't have to post or anything like that. So I tend to put up positive mantras and things like that on there just to kind of give people a bit of a boost and ask a few questions yeah. along the way to get people to ask themselves questions. Oh, I like the sound of that. We all need some positive mantras. So is this a group that, that people can join? They can ask to join? Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, anybody can ask to join. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fine. Um, and it will eventually, you know, link to the, the uh, place, the self-care centre. Yeah. Okay. Well, we shall kind of look forward to seeing how that develops. Um, I'm going to be joining the group, definitely. I'm already in the group. Are you? Yeah, I'm already ahead of the game. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the group. I'm waiting for the space. I'm waiting for this to happen. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, there's such a call for this. I think hopefully some of the things that, that Jules has shared has kind of resonated with people in a way that can help to build us up, to give us that boost you know, to kind of like feed, feed our souls, feed our minds in the way that we need. Because we all, we need that, you know, you you talked before about kind of, you know, the emphasis tends to be on physical fitness, but we need to feed ourselves in a healthy way, you know, in the way that we talk to ourselves, in the way that we respond in terms of what we give ourselves. And it just seems to me that that's very much kind of what you're advocating with serenity so really excited to sort of find out more about this what would be your kind of any kind of final thoughts or something to share with people in terms of like you know i don't know if it's just something to leave people with this afternoon jules is there anything that you would like to kind of share that you've not had a chance to say um no probably the most poignant thing uh, out of my journey has been about worrying um, and what i've learned about worrying and how much that had a profound effect on the way that I thought. You know, uh, I was constantly thinking about the future and what I perceived would happen, um, about the past and what I perceived had happened. And I think that the by having the power of mindfulness, it kind of, I've learnt ways to detract away from those sorts of things and just do what I can, which is in the moment, mm. you know. Um, and I think that's had a massive effect on my life because when I look back on my journey there were so many things that grew from the tiniest element uh, of worry about the future and about things that I had no control over like I said everybody else I had no control over yet they grew and grew and snowballed until they were a massive problem for me uh, and my mental health and I think that by making sure that you're in that moment and not worrying about the past or the future has been a massive thing for me. That was an extract from our radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. You can listen in every Thursday between 12 and 2 on HCR 92.3 FM or online on hcr923fm.com.